Today is September 1st, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. We are starting a brand new month reading through the Bible. Can you believe we are nine months into this year? I know some of you are uh, maybe joining us later in the year and picking up and going to read through beginning at a different month. Now, so this might be your second or third month or first month reading through the Bible. Wherever you are, we're glad you're here. And uh, for those of you who have been with me through January, we are uh, we're getting closer. And uh, we, we are today going to finish another Old Testament book. That is the book of Job. And we've been in Job for quite some time in our reading. And today we're going to read chapter 40 all the way through the end, chapter 42, verse 17. And as always, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. So let's jump in. Chapter 40, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Job, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? Then Job replied to the Lord. And by the way, for all of you who think you're going to argue with God one day, when you stand before him, your response is going to be the exact same as Job's here. Job who had, for 30 chapters, all of these defenses. If I talk to God, here's what I'm going to say. And he stands before God. God speaks to him. And what is Job finally get to say this guy had all this talk he gets to talk to God what's he gonna say verse 4 I am nothing how could I ever find the answers I will cover my mouth with my hand I have said too much already I have nothing more to say (laughs) he says I am nothing and then of saying I am nothing he says I've already said too much I shouldn't have even said that verse 6 then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Will you discredit my justice and condemn me just to prove you are right? Are you as strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? All right, put on your glory and splendor, your honor and majesty. Give vent to your anger. Let it overflow against the proud. Humiliate the proud with a glance. Walk on the wicked where they stand. Bury them in the dust. Imprison them in the world of the dead. Then even I would praise you, for your own strength would save you. Take a look at Behemoth, which I made just as I made you. It eats grass like an ox. See its powerful loins and the muscles of its belly. Its tail is as strong as cedar. The sinews of its thighs are knit tightly together. Its bones are tubes of bronze. Its limbs are bars of iron. It is a prime example of God's handiwork. And only its creator can threaten it. The mountains offer it their best food, where all the wild animals play. It lies under the lotus plants hidden by the reeds in the marsh. The lotus plants give it shade among the willows beside the stream. It is not disturbed by the raging river, not concerned when the swelling Jordan rushes around it. No one can catch it off guard or put a ring in its nose and lead it away. Moving into chapter 41, verse 1. Can you catch Leviathan with a hook or put a noose around its jaw? Can you tie it with a rope through the nose or pierce its jaw with a spike? Will it beg you for mercy or implore you for pity? Will it agree to work for you, to be your slave for life? Can you make it a pet like a bird or give it to your little girls to play with? Will merchants try to buy it, to sell it in their shops? Will its hide be hurt by spears or its head by a harpoon? If you lay a hand on it, you will certainly remember the battle that flows, that follows. You won't try that again. No, it is useless to try to capture it. The hunter who attempts it will be knocked down, and since no one dares to disturb it, who then can stand up to me? Who has given me anything that I need to pay back? Everything under heaven is mine. 
I want to emphasize Leviathan's limbs and its enormous strength and graceful form. Who can strip off its hide? And who can penetrate its double layer of armor? Who could pry open its jaws? For its teeth are terrible. The scales on its back are like rows of shields, tightly sealed together. They are so close together that no air can get between them. Each scale sticks tight to the next. They interlock and cannot be penetrated. When it sneezes, it flashes light. Its eyes are like the red of dawn. Lightning leaps from its mouth. Flames of fire flash out. Smoke streams from its nostrils like steam from a pot heated over burning rushes. Its breath would kindle coals, for flames shoot from its mouth. The tremendous strength in Leviathan's neck strikes terror wherever it goes. Its flesh is hard and firm, and it cannot be penetrated. Its heart is as hard as rock, hard as millstone. When it rises, the mighty are afraid, gripped by terror. No sword can stop it, no spear, dart, or javelin. Iron is nothing but straw to that creature, and bronze is like rotten wood. Arrows cannot make it flee. Stones shot from a sling are like bits of grass. Clubs are like blades of grass, and it laughs at the swish of javelins. Its belly is covered with scales as sharp as glass. It plows up the ground as it drags through the mud. Leviathan makes the water boil with its commotion. It stirs the depths like a pot of ointment. The water glistens in its wake, making the sea look white. Nothing on earth is its equal. No other creature so fearless. Of all the creatures, it is the proudest. It is the king of the beast. Chapter 42, verse 1. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything, and no one can stop. You asked, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I, and I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, Listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Ephesus the Termite, I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me, as my servant Job has. So take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you, and I will accept his prayer on your behalf. I will not treat you as you deserve, for you have not spoken accurately about me, as my servant Job has. Okay, I want to pause here, because at the beginning of this book, I told you, I used to read the book of Job as why bad things happen, and in the story, I viewed myself as Job. But what we really see is Job is a shadow, is a figure, is a character for who? For Jesus. See, Jesus came, and he suffered, not because he did anything wrong. Remember, Job, he was upright, holy, blameless. He didn't do anything wrong, uh, and yet he suffered for God's purposes. Jesus comes, and he suffers. Why? In the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, not my will, but your will. He suffers for God's purposes. And then after the suffering, he says rightly about God. Uh, you know, he, 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 he believes in God. He trusts God. He, he fully and finally lives out God's will for his life. He lives the only truly righteous life. And then just as Job uh, here, it says this, uh, God is angry with them, so with Job's friends, so they need to make a sacrifice, and then they need Job's prayer on their behalf. Uh, to be accepted by God. What does Jesus do? He's our sacrifice, pouring out his blood on the cross. And then the book of Hebrews would say he's interceding on our behalf. You, you want to know why you're good enough for God, why you're made right with relationship with God? It's not because you're listening to the Bible podcast. 
It's not because you had a really good week and a lot of quiet times and you didn't watch that thing you've been struggling not to watch or drink that thing you've been struggling not to drink or you didn't gossip as much or, or you, you were a pretty good person. No, it's only because Jesus prays on, behalf, on your behalf. It is Jesus who stands before you and the Lord and God looks at you and looks at him and he says you are made right because of what Jesus Christ has done. See, isn't this beautiful, my friends? The oldest book in the Bible, as far as we know, uh, as far as when it was written, points to Jesus of Nazareth. He is the point of all the scriptures. And if you're listening to this podcast because you just want an unbiased view of scripture, I'm sorry you're listening to the wrong podcast because I can't help but to call out Jesus when I see him, even in the pages of the Old Testament. Beautiful. Thank you, Jesus, that you are like the servant Job, better than the servant Job, living the life we could not live, dying the death you did not deserve to die, but we deserve to die, making a sacrifice on our behalf, and praying a prayer on our behalf so that we might be counted right as God. As God that treats you. So that we can say um, with the, the friends of Job, as he as God says of them in verse uh, 8, he says, I will not treat you as you deserve, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. And uh, Lord, praise God that we are not treated as we deserve, because treated as we deserve means condemnation and judgment. And yet, Lord, you have sent Jesus to take that condemnation and that judgment for us. Thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Verse 9. Let's continue on. So Eliphaz the Terminite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Naamite did as the Lord commanded them. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. That's Philippians uh, chapter 2 in action. Uh, It says that Jesus humbled himself uh, even to the point of death on a cross so that God might exalt him above all else and now Jesus is exalted above all else because he humbled himself above all else again Job here humbled and yet he has twice as much as when this thing all started verse 11 then all his brothers and sisters and former friends came and feasted with him in his home and they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him and each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring so the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. He named his first daughter Jemiah, the second Keniah, and the third Karen Hapak. In all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job, and their father put them into his will along with their brothers. Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died, an old man. Who had lived a long and full life. Yes and amen. And uh, we can, uh, now because of what Jesus has done and sent his Holy Spirit to live within us, we can now um, live a fulfilled life just as Job did in the image of Jesus. And that's our goal, my friends. Moving on to our Old Test- or our New Testament reading, as that does conclude the book of Job, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, 
Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. We died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Oh, friends, I hope you see the gospel today because it is being preached clearly through our Old Testament and New Testament reading. This just makes me excited, and I hope it does you too as you're reading God's word. This should stir affections for him in your heart. If not, you might not know the Lord uh, because I, I, I scarce can think of a more beautiful reading than what we are receiving today. Let's continue on. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 14 is our Proverbs of the day. The mouth of an immoral woman is a dangerous trap. Those who make the Lord angry will fall into it. And finally, we will be reading uh, Psalm 45. This is the 45th Psalm in a posture of prayer. For the choir director, a love song to be sung to the tune Lilies, a psalm of the descendants of Korah, beginning in verse 1. Beautiful words stir my heart. I will recite a lovely poem about the king, for my tongue is like the pen of a skillful poet. You are the most handsome of all. Gracious words stream from your lips. God himself has blessed you forever. Put on your sword, O mighty warrior. You are so glorious, so majestic. In your majesty, ride out to victory, defending truth, humility, and justice. Go forth to perform all inspiring deeds. Your arrows are sharp, piercing your enemies' hearts. The nations fall beneath your feet. Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. Mir, aloes, and cassia perfume your robes. In ivory palaces, the music of strings entertains you. King's daughters are among your noble women. At your right side stands the queen, wearing jewelry of the finest gold from Ophir. Listen to me, O royal daughters. Take to heart what I say. Forget your people and your family far away. For your royal husband delights in your beauty. Honor him, for he is your lord. The princess of Tyre will shower you with gifts. The wealthy will beg your favor. The bride, a princess, looks glorious in her golden gown. In her beautiful robes, she is led to the king, accompanied by her bridesmaids. What a joyful and enthusiastic procession as they enter the king's palace. Your sons will become kings like their fathers. You will make them rulers over many lands. I will bring honor to your name in every generation. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. Oh, Lord, we love you. Uh, and texts like the ones we got to read today stir affections in my own heart. Uh, Lord, I, I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to commune with you. And Lord, I pray that verse 16 and 17 of our psalm today would be true of me. Uh, Lord, that 
uh, rather in verse 17 where you say this, I will bring honor to your name in every generation. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. I praise, Lord, that my love would overflow, my praise would overflow so that others would come to know you and that they would praise you so that we could say the nations are praising you. And we know, Lord, that it will be forever and ever because one day you're going to return and you're going to raise all the saints who have fallen asleep as your word says in the New Testament. And uh, we will worship you and your king in your kingdom for all eternity. Lord, I await that glorious day. And it is in your name I pray. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for joining me for today's reading. Um, it's a little bit longer because I got pretty excited. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. And if not, it was probably a really long reading. And uh, I apologize for that. But um, yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. This this doesn't get your heart pumping. Um, you, you might want to go see a heart doctor because this is... This is the, the epitome of our faith, what we got to read today, and I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know your thoughts on it, because this is not just the Blake Farley talking to a microphone show. This is Blake Farley trying to begin a conversation with you, because this year we are reading through the Bible together. <laughs>